Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we are discussing the implications of John 21, specifically the end of John 21, where Jesus tells Peter, you follow me. We're going to be chatting about comparison and living out the calling that God has on your life and not comparing it in a negative way to the people around you and people who have different callings than you. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. As always, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you have dominion over our lives. You know our callings. You designed our callings. You have perfectly called each woman who is listening to your perfect purpose. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you that you so intimately crafted us and know us and have given us the skills and talents and everything that we need to accomplish your purpose for our lives. I pray that today you would really help us to understand more about our callings and help us to stop comparing them negatively to other people's callings. I pray that you would speak through me and open the ears of the listeners. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. The core text that we're going to be focusing on today is John 21. We're going to talk about the whole chapter, but we're especially going to focus on the end of this chapter. The context here is that Jesus has already died by this point. He died for our sins. He has been resurrected. And now he's appeared to the disciples several times before John 21 occurs. I also want to note that in John 21, there's going to be a reference to the disciple who Jesus loved. That is the author of this book, who is John. It's kind of funny. He refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. So anyways, (laughs) that is... This is how he decided to reference himself when he wrote his version of the gospel. It's kind of funny. Let's begin by reading John chapter 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. 
jumped in the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were a hundred and fifty-three large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. This is such a rich text. I'm not going to get to everything. I just want to focus on a few really big things that have to do with comparison. But first, can we just talk about Peter's reaction to the sight and call of Jesus? In the beginning there in verse 7, when John is able to identify that it's Jesus, the first thing Peter does is he puts on his tunic and he jumps in the water and he heads to shore. He goes straight to Jesus. He's like so stoked <laughs> to get to Jesus. And he's following the Lord. He he can't wait to spend time with him. I think that's so beautiful and it's such a raw reaction. And I do wonder myself, like, do I have this reaction to spending time with Jesus? Do I see him and just like head towards him? Is that is that my first reaction? It's a good question to ask. The other thing that I really love about the beginning is Jesus, first of all, enables them to just capture a crazy amount of fish, 153 large fish. And it sounds like it's pretty immediate. They just like cast the net and then boom, all these fish show up after they hadn't been able to fish and, and actually get a fish all night. So that's just incredible. But what I really love is right after that, they come to shore and Jesus already has fish and he has made them breakfast. And then he says, 
come have some breakfast. How incredible is that? Jesus makes them breakfast and then serves it to them. He provides for their very physical needs. And that is a wonderful reminder that God cares about our needs, our practical necessities to actually be able to live out this life. God cares for them. And Jesus cares for these needs so abundantly. The amount of fish he provides, having breakfast ready, he's fully there and fully invested in providing for his disciples. It's beautiful and it's a good reminder that when we do pursue the calling that God has placed on our lives, that he will show up abundantly for us and provide everything we need to fulfill that calling. All right, for the rest of this, I would really like to focus on the end of this passage, specifically focusing on verse 22. The version that I read to you earlier is actually the New Living Translation, NLT, and I also want to read verse 22 from the ESV, English Standard Version of the Bible. I really like how it's phrased. So it says, verse 22, Jesus said to him, Peter, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That's so good because when Peter hears what's going to happen to him in the future, I mean, it's a horrifying thing that Jesus is telling him. It's really super scary. And his first reaction, though, is so human. What does he do? He's like, well, what about that guy? What about John? What's his fate? Is he going to have the same fate as me? And the faith that we're referring to here is that Jesus tells Peter he's going to have his arms outstretched. That's how he's going to die. He's going to die being crucified. And that actually is how Peter dies. He's crucified just like Jesus, except church tradition has it that Peter actually didn't want to be crucified um, exactly the way that Jesus was because he felt like he wasn't worthy of that. And so he was crucified upside down. Yikes. Peter hears this and realizes what Jesus is saying. And his first reaction is to compare, to look to his right or left and say, what about that guy? And I think that is so human. And so the first thing I want to talk about in this verse is when we have our purpose and when we have our calling from God, when we hear the call of God, it's our job to heed it, to follow it. Don't look to your right and to your left. Don't look at what the other guy, the other woman has been assigned. Don't compare in a negative way saying, oh, well, Jesus gave her this calling and that's better than my calling. Or, wow, how can I compare this to this person? Maybe I compare favorably. Maybe I compare negatively, whatever the case may be. But don't look to your right and left and do that. You hear the call of God and that's your special call. Let him be your affirmation. Let him be your refuge and your shelter when you're unsure or you need confirmation. Of course, he can use other people to confirm your call or to confirm that you're on the right track or to encourage you in your calling. Of course, God can use people, but that's not what Peter's doing here. Peter is looking at John and saying, well, what about what's going to happen to him? Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. Don't worry. Point two, we're not to compare our call to the calling of other people. If you're called to be a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a part-time mom, if you're called to be single, either temporarily or long-term, if you're called to be a missionary, if you're called to, to work in the workforce, if you're called to ministry, if you're called to something that is popular, if you're called to something that's not popular, 
if you're called to be a lower socioeconomic status or a higher one, whatever your calling is or whatever comprises your calling or contributes to it, it's yours. God has given that to you. So you be obedient to God's calling on your life. When we start to compare us and ourselves to other people, it either makes us feel bad or it makes us feel superior a lot of the time. Both of those are sinful. Your calling is good because God has called you to it. He's placed something on your heart and that calling doesn't always stay the same thing always. Maybe for a season, you're called to a specific thing. Maybe you're called to be a working mom a specific season. Maybe the next season you're called to work in ministry. Maybe the next season you're called to stay home with your kids. Maybe the next season you're called to, I don't know, X, Y, Z. Maybe you're called to start a podcast. Whatever your calling is, that's your calling. So stay focused and be obedient to that calling because God has a very specific reason for giving it to you. He wants to use you. Third point, your calling is just as important to God than anyone else's calling. It's not better and it's not worse. It's just different. Peter was given an incredible calling to serve the church in such a visible way. He specifically ministered a lot to the Jewish population, helping them come to faith in Christ. And in a lot of ways, John's ministry was less visible. It wasn't invisible. It just wasn't as visible, perhaps, than Peter's. Maybe John kind of wanted Peter's calling. I don't know. I'm just speculating. It's possible. When Jesus was on the cross, he looked to John and he looked to his mother, Mary, And from the cross in John 19, verse 25, it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. And Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. And that was what Jesus called John to do, is to take his mother Mary into John's home and to take care of her as his mother. Of course, John did other things. Later, he wrote, obviously, the Gospel of John, which is what we've been quoting from today. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible and contains some pretty crazy prophecies. So, of course, John did much more than than, um, taking care of Jesus's mom. He had lots of different things that he did over his lifetime, including church work. However, at this time when Jesus is giving this instruction, John knows that he's meant to take care of Jesus's mom. That's his calling for that season. And Peter, Peter's going to be working on actively spreading the gospel. These two different callings, one wasn't better and one wasn't worse. They were just different. And they were both given to these men by Jesus, directly by Jesus. They were both important work that Jesus saw fit to to assign to them. And they were worthy to be done. So is your calling. Even if it doesn't feel like you're doing enough, even if it feels like you should be doing more, if it's the work that God has given you to do, it is worthy to be done and is just as worthy as anyone else's work that's been given to them by God. Fourth point, obedience matters to God. He says to Peter, what is that to you, you 
follow me. We follow Jesus. We don't follow our own mission for our lives. We don't do what we think is best. We don't try to seek control. I mean, we do, (laughs) but that's not the intention that God has for our lives. It's to let go and to follow the calling that we have. Even if it doesn't make logical sense, even if it doesn't make cultural sense, even if it looks like it's going to result in less money, even if it looks like it's going to result in a bad situation or something that you would seek to avoid, if God gives you that job, we follow it. We do it because obedience matters to God and we know that he will provide for us everything that we need. If we're following the calling that he's placed on our lives, we don't have to worry about having our needs met and worry about provision and things like that. Look at how abundantly Jesus was caring for his disciples, all of those fish he provided, cooking them breakfast. He cares about your needs. He cares about them. And so when we're called to do scary things, of course they're scary. And of course, God wants to help us work through that fear. And of course, it's going to be hard. It's always hard, but it's worth doing. Obedience is worth it. It leads to a more fulfilling and beautiful life than we could ever imagine. Point number five, God equips us for our unique callings through the talents, gifts, skills, life experiences, all of the things that he has given us. There's nothing wasted. Everything you've been given equips you for your unique calling. If you're an intense person, an outgoing and social bubbly person, if you're shy, if you've had rough life experiences, if you've had a pretty solid, easy path, if you have an interesting talent, if you're awkward, if you're loud, if you're calm, whatever it is that God has given you, any skills that he's provided to you, any talents, if you're artistic or if you speak well, or if you're a teacher or a leader, whatever you've been given, he is going to use. And it might not all be for like one specific job. Maybe you use part of those skills and talents to take care of your children or to care for your husband or to care for your friendships. Maybe use other talents to take care of the life calling or the work he's given you to do. None of it's wasted though. We are fully equipped for the callings on our lives. He will continue to provide exactly what you need to fulfill what he has given you to do. For example, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he wrote incredible letters. We can read it. It's in the Bible. A lot of his letters are there. But it's really interesting because even though he was a really great writer, he mentions a couple times that he wasn't perceived as a particularly skilled speaker. In 2 Corinthians 11, he was talking about false teachings. And then in verse five, he says, but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. Verse six, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. So there Paul, he admits he's not a particularly good speaker. And he actually mentions in the chapter before this too, that a lot of people perceived his letters as like harsh. And then they kind of looked at him as not very convincing in person. (laughs) That wasn't his skill set, but that God gave him the skills he needed to do what God wanted him to do. Did he preach sermons that converted massive amounts of people? I don't know. He wrote letters that have converted massive amounts of people. They're in the Bible. That's the skill set. That's what he was called to do. 
He also preached in person and he ministered to people in person. I'm not neglecting that. I'm just saying that the letters that he wrote were an incredible calling that God gave him and he was given the skills he needed in order to do that. On the other hand, Peter gave incredible sermons that converted thousands, literally thousands of people. Peter had that gift. He had that ability. And this is exemplified in Acts 2. This is after the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and the apostles. And Peter preaches to a giant crowd. He gives this long sermon to them. And then in verse 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. 3,000 people. 3,000 people came to Christ that day incredible speaking skills that God gave him. And of course, the Holy Spirit was facilitating that. The Holy Spirit worked through Paul when he wrote his letters and the Holy Spirit worked through Peter when he was able to give that sermon. God will use the skills he's giving you and then he will equip you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish whatever purpose he is working to accomplish through you. God chooses to use humans, which is incredible. Sixth point. God's calling on our lives can be hard and scary. It always is. Obey anyways. Peter's calling was really scary. Jesus told him ahead of time that he was going to be crucified. And church tradition has it that John died a natural death. Now in this passage, Jesus doesn't say to John like, oh, you're never going to die, even though some people kind of interpret it that way. But the church tradition says that John had died a natural death. Peter knew in advance he was going to die in a really horrible way, but he was obedient anyways. And he led an incredible and exciting life where God used him to save thousands of people. And he helped establish the early church. When you say yes to God, you might think that he's going to use you for something. And then he ends up using you in an incredible way that you could have never, ever imagined. He can accomplish so much more than our tiny little scope our tiny little way of looking at things could possibly perceive and foresee. He foresees all of it and he wants to use you and partner with you in accomplishing his purpose. So whatever it is that you're doing right now, even if it feels fruitless, even if it feels hard and scary, God is with you and he's using you and he's faithful to do that. When we say yes, he's faithful to do that. And so I encourage you to say yes to whatever your calling is, even if it feels incredibly scary. I've mentioned this before, but this podcast for me was saying yes to something incredibly scary. Have you ever recorded your voice and then listened back to it? It's not fun. (laughs) Okay. And then have you ever had to listen to it over and over again as you edited it? Not fun. Okay. I mean, some of you maybe are fine with it, but, but not me. That felt scary to me. Putting information out there felt scary to me. But since I've said yes to this podcast, God has worked in my life in incredible ways. He has supplied every single thing I need to accomplish this task. And I have faith that he'll continue to do so, even when I feel petrified, which is all the time. All right, let's review. Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. What are the implications? First, don't look to your right and to your left. Hear the call of God and heed it. Number two, we are not to compare our calling to that of other people. Number three, your calling is just as important to God as anyone else's calling. It's not better and it's not worse. It's just different than other people's. Number four, obedience matters to God. 
He asks us to obey, and when we do, we experience full life. Number five, God equips us for our unique callings through the talents, gifts, skills, life experiences that he has given us, and he will equip us with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, number six, God's calling on our lives can be hard and scary. Let's obey anyways. We can't even imagine the beautiful things he has for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you give each of us a unique calling and purpose. Thank you that nothing is wasted, that you love us and you take care of us and you have for us everything we need to do what you want us to do. I pray that every woman here would feel a calling on their heart, that you would reveal to them in each season what they are to do and that they would be obedient and that they would work with you through any fear that comes up, that they would not compare themselves to others but that they would truly feel how blessed they are to have the calling you've given them. It is enough. You are enough. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show, and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast, and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.